Welcome to the SIP Advisor podcast, brought to you by Imbibe UK, the leading magazine and website for the UK drinks industry. Presented by me, Imbibe editor Robin Black. Me, deputy editor Millie Millican. And me, news editor Jacopo Mazzeo. Welcome to the second episode of our SIP Advisor podcast. This month, we are looking ahead at the reopening of pubs, bars and restaurants. In the main segment, you will hear Millie interview Mark McCullough of brand marketing agency Supersonic, one of the minds behind 100 Days Playbook, a free marketing and communications guide for pubs, bars and restaurants on how to launch after lockdown. And in the final segment of the show, Robin muses on PPE and wonders whether hospitality staff will be wearing bee suits to welcome guests post-lockdown. For all this, though, uh, we're all sitting at our desk celebrating English Wine Week, this year happening between the 20th and the 28th of June. It might not seem appropriate to be celebrating right now, but in fact, it's never been so important to offer um, support to our local wine industry, given the challenges that wine growers and wineries have been experiencing over lockdown. Normally, English Wine Week would be the ideal time to go out and visit vineyards and enjoy events and promotions, as well as take part in uh, in-store tastings and themed meals. Uh, this year, of course, things are a little bit different, but it doesn't mean that there are occasions to celebrate and help wineries in these difficult times. Producers got really creative, so you'll find plenty of virtual events and tastings, um, offers and deals from retailers. You can check them out on WineGB's website to make sure you dive in and help our local wine industry get through the crisis. After all, during lockdown, we all found ourselves engaging more with our own local communities. We've been shopping more locally, we've been consuming local produces, and certainly many of us have been getting drinks and food delivered from a local retailer, bar or restaurant. Uh, What do you think, Robin? Have you been favoring local businesses at all over the past three months? Yeah, I've been doing my best. Um, It can be difficult where I am, just on the edge of London, but not everything reaches. I know we talked to Millie about this in a minute, she's going to be all like because Millie lives in central London. She'll be like, oh, yeah, I got breakfast from the Ritz and got fish from Jay Shiki or something. But it can be a bit tricky if you're not in the middle of a city. Um, but I have been trying really hard. Um, and we re- very recently found a new uh, local business that's pivoted from being a supplier of fruit and veg to um, restaurants to doing home delivery. Um, so that's a local dad who lives around here. And we had that last weekend. And it was lovely, really nice quality fruit and veg and some nice bakery goods. It was really good. Um, some probably what we've covered more on imbibe.com is some of those initiatives that come out of that um, that kind of difficulty in finding, locating your local businesses that are now delivering at home. I know Wine GB, who's the English and Welsh Wine Board themselves, have did a shop local initiative um, called English and Welsh Wines Direct to Your Door quite early on in lockdown, actually. Um, but we've also covered a campaign called Raise a Glass, which was spearheaded by a guy called Jim Rankin who's actually just a owner of a cork and closures manufacturer um, but he launched that to try and get as much traffic to local businesses as possible um, and he's put out social media guides for local businesses and visuals they can use and it's free to um, list on there so that's a good one. Another one that stood out was Your Local Delivered which is another free online platform that allows anyone to search for businesses um, around them that are delivering food and drink in lockdown and that was set up by a social media strategist and I think there's probably a few more on the website on imbibe.com but those were certainly some that stood out. 
Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. These campaigns and platforms uh, are definitely very important, especially for those who perhaps weren't really using local businesses before. But what about you, Mili? Have you been have you been shopping locally? So as much as I don't want to prove Robin right, um, <laughs> I have been frequenting my local market, which does just happen to be Borough Market um, during lockdown. In particular, I've been paying regular visits to Borough Wines, which although it doesn't specifically sell English wine, um, they do sell um, a nice range. And it's just been really nice exploring what they've got on offer there. And they've also got wine taps. So I've been making use of my refillable bottles there as well. Um, in general, I've just really been trying to drink more English wine where I can. And Bolney Wine Estate in Sussex has just released its 2019 Estate Bacchus and Lichgate Bacchus, uh, which I had the pleasure of trying earlier today. Both have really nice notes of elderflower and gooseberry. They're nice and acidic and they would work beautifully with some of the produce from the fishmongers and cheesemongers in Borough Market. So I've really been trying where I can to not be lazy and just pop down the road to Sainsbury's. I've been heading off for my lunch hour to Borough Market and perusing the stalls there, which isn't a bad thing at all. And it's been nice and quiet without any tourists. I've also have to admit, I do have a delivery from Padella coming tonight. So I'm really sacrificing myself and my body to help keep the local businesses alive. But I think so it's definitely jealous. worth it. <laughs> that on Instagram tonight, Millionaire. Oh, don't worry, it's it's all it's going to be all over it. Um, <laughs> and what about you, Jacopo? What have you been up to? Um, well, I've definitely been shopping more locally myself. Um, I've been consuming more local produces. Since the lockdown Saturday, I've been visiting a lovely farm shop in the New Forest, which is just 10 minutes from here and on a fairly regular basis. They've got great local meat, great local veggies, beautiful local cheese, and these have all significantly lowered my weekly shop's carbon footprints. Speaking of which, uh, if the crisis wasn't enough to um, of a good reason to support a local wine industry, this year's English Wine Week has a special sustainability focus as well. This theme aims to draw attention to YGB's Environmental Sustainability Workgroup, which consists of a number of wine professionals whose mission is to encourage and enable the English and Welsh wine industry to become more environmentally sustainable. And this is something that we at Invibe are all very happy to support. All right, it's now time to move on to our interview. This time we talked to Mark McCulloch of Supersonic about the 100 Days Playbook, which has contributed to and discuss how on-trade venues can successfully reopen after months of lockdown. First things first, how does the 100-day playbook work? Who is involved and how can operators engage with it? So basically the way that it works is it's quite a long book, so apologies up front, it's about 240 pages. <laughs> worth of stuff but the reason it's so long is that we've tried to make it as easy as possible and, and really explained everything to the nth degree so it takes you through a journey an expert for journey of everything to do with marketing that you could ever want to know or ever look into so marketing you know brand marketing digital social all these things is quite a linear process if you're doing it you know sort of soup to nuts or whatever they talk about so we've laid it out in that way so we start with the customer 
we get people to then look at defining their brand. Then you develop your brand for the real world. Then you do some marketing planning and then you go out into amplification and execution. So that's your PR, digital, social media planning um, in terms of where you would place your information. So that's kind of how it works. And basically it's laid out for anyone with a, a bricks and mortar business really. And actually most people would be able to get something from it. So it really was our, our vision and our dream, I suppose, to give the ultimate brand market digital social PR playbook help, guide, whatever you want to call it, for free for every restaurant, hospitality business in the world. That was the aim, really. And then in terms of who was involved, there were, I think, 10 or 11 agencies. Um, so it's uh, quite difficult to remember everyone all the time, but <laughs> my best. basically there was me, so that's Supersonic Inc, uh, as I'm called. So I'm looking after the brand and marketing side of things and, and kind of trying to pull all the teams together. You've got Cam Media, who do insight and, and research. You've got Two Forks, who do copywriting, menu planning, um, menu creation, things like that in terms of the, the, the language. Studio Nomad, uh, who worked on things like the Premier League um, I, I brand identity, uh, the Jaggy Lion, um, and, and all the Sky Sports stuff that you see as well. So a really great agency. Then you've got a cheeky one, Bums on Seats. So that's Amber, and she talks about driving uh, pre-booking sales. Got Fleet Street Communications on PR. We've got Mimo on digital and social. And you've also got Smithfield Agency, who sort of look at the media planning. So it's a big thing to say, where is my customer's attention and, and where should I put those messages? And then you've got Feed It Back, talking about guest experience and feedback. And you've got Wireless Social, talking about uh, how to get the best out of your guest Wi-Fi as well. I think that's everyone. Please forgive me if it's not. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> and then where to access it. Um, we bought, we're lucky enough, a, a URL was available called 100dayplaybook.com. So for about two quid or something, we managed to get that. And Mimo very kindly built us a little website for it. So you just go on there, type in a couple of details so we can send you the, the PDF. And yeah, that's it really. You just sign up, takes a minute, and you get 150, 160 grand's worth of free information that is our gift to you. It's fantastic. And obviously it's called the 100 Day Playbook. Uh, when this episode comes out, we won't be far off that sort of hallowed 4th of July date. Can people who are coming to this for the first time still use it effectively with the less days to implement those changes? Yeah, I mean, basically, being really transparent, 100 days was just a catchy title in a lot of ways. Um, it roughly, at the time when we were doing it, added up to about 14 weeks, I think, which was how far away we were looking um, to be able to do it. But there is a timing plan at the back to show how the 100 days play out. Now, a lot of the things can work in tandem with one another, so you can accelerate things if, if you want to. You can leave some bits out, you know, if you want to as well, um, from, from that perspective. So by no means, 
you know, it's, I guess it's like going into IKEA. You know, you don't always have to follow the arrows um, that take you around. But um, it would be helpful if you did. But basically, it was just to ensure that we exhausted every possible bit of knowledge and every possible opportunity for people. And then, like a menu, if you like, you know, they can they can cherry pick from it what, what's right for them. Uh, so if they only do have two weeks to open or one week to open or whatever, then, you know, they, they can start to look at the stuff that they need to do as a priority. And then they can always retro and track back on the other stuff. And obviously I mentioned before how close the reopening, potential reopening date is. What do you think the best use of operators' time is during that precious week or so before reopening? Whoa, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I, I think um, I would say we really need to start thinking about just getting the message out there. So basically, if you've got a week to go, um, then I think the most important thing you can get out there is saying we're open, we're safe, here's the lengths that we're going to. Um, because basically, if you can't convince people to come out, then you've got nothing. So I think it's trying to balance, and this is from the outward point of view, obviously there's an inward point of view, which is mm. you need to make sure your staff are, are happy, that their head's in the game mentally, they've recovered from you know being laid off, and you know there's a whole, there's a whole minefield with all that stuff. But if you're just thinking about getting customers in, I think it's how can you get that message out there? And, and one of the tips I've put in the book is it's really about you taking this in chunks. Now, you'll know what your capacity is going to be once they figure out this distancing thing. So once you figure out that, what my first thing would be, if it was me and it was my business, then would be basically saying, we need to get the people back into our business that came to us in the last year. So solely focus on retention. So surely you're thinking you must have some information on them. You must have, you know, whether it's postal addresses or SMS or uh, email addresses or social media, you know, whatever it is, even just get a word of mouth or going around doors. That would be my first point of call. And then the second point of call would be, how can you get people to come back three or four times in a super short period of time? Because people have gained this new habit of not going out. Yeah. So what we're going to need to do very quickly is get people into the habit of going out and feeling safe and it being normal again. Um, and then I guess another couple of things, I mean, probably you're going to need to get an app sorted out pretty damn quick um, in most cases. So, you know, someone like Pepper or, or one of these, you know, get in touch with them quickly and, and get an app sorted, you know, whether it's ordering pay or click and collect or, or some kind of loyalty. Um, and then find a way to try and keep those extra revenue streams going, you know, whether it is your, your, your restaurant kits that you've been sending out, your takeaway, you know, there's third parties now that are taking over that stuff for you. So I think if you go back to just trading within your four walls again, I think that's a real worry. And you've mentioned a lot of the topics that you guys cover in the book, ranging from social media to tone of voice and just as you were saying, sort of data research. Some of these things might be new to a lot of operators. Do you think this playbook is something that 
new businesses um, can really use going forward when finally we're out of the virus? I, I think, you know, it, it really is for, for anyone and it's, it's, it's a refresher. Um, it's, you know, hopefully even if you do have a big marketing department that, you know, your, your marketing team are, are open to, you know, sort of revising and, and relearning and, and um, you know, looking at things a different way. I think most new businesses would be pretty savvy with it now. I mean, I think there's a certain amount of joy if you were starting a business today because you've got nothing holding you back, you know, and actually you've got technology on your side and all these kind of things. So I think there's there's something in it for everyone and, and it, it really isn't scary or, or, you know, too difficult. And what we were really trying to do with the whole thing was just demystify what marketing's all about. You know, I mean, it's, it's absolute basics. It's saying, you know, what do your customers want? Ask them some questions. Um, what's your, your, your company all about? You know, forget brand, the B word, you know, just what's that all about? Um, what does it look like? What does it sound like? And then who's your target customer? Where are their eyes and their ears? And how do you reach them? I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, and if you're going in to starting a business, not thinking about that stuff, I'd be really worried for you because yeah. it's part parcel of business. Um, you know, it's, it's all very well that you make amazing craft beer or, or whatever, but you know, it's like being a music artist these days. Unfortunately, you need to be a good songwriter, but you also need to have a degree in marketing, you know, for it to work. So it's just it's part and parcel of the, the modern business person now. You need great product, great people, but you also really need to understand the promotional side of things as well. Yeah. And it's almost the unanswerable question at the moment. Um, but do you think that the hospitality sector will be changed forever after this? And if so, in what ways? And if not, why not? Yeah, I mean... I hope not as much as we think um, and that, you know, when big disaster things have happened, we've said, you know, this is going to change air travel forever or, you know, any of these things. And I hope that it might be a year of uncertainty and a bit of a wobble and all the rest of it. But as we become more aware about what's happening with the virus and how it behaves and vaccines and all this stuff, it will hopefully mean that eventually there will be a vaccine, there will be, you know, things put in place and it just might not be as dramatic as we hope. Um, I think someone said it brilliantly the other day where they said, I don't really want to go and sit in a perspex prison. Mm. And that's a real worry for me, you know, like, for it's like having forced fun like going out but then there is all this stuff around about you that's a real worry for customer experience for me definitely so i'm sort of hoping that we've had this situation where we've had the injury i suppose if it's like a football game and you're out the game then there's the rehab and you know a few reserve games and then you, you get back to match fitting and everything's back to normal um so that's the way I was playing it out in my head that I, I hope that, you know, there was maybe a year of this, you know, maximum of this sort of phasing or distancing or, or hybrid scenario. Um, and then after that, things would, would pretty much start to return to normal. And I think 
it's just one of these things. I'm the worst, right? I'm proper Michael Jackson germaphobe type thing, you know, with the mask, <laughs> the oxygen chamber and all that. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, I, I think even the most scared person, I think it's just, you know, you're almost just going to have to get over it and it will just become a way of life. But hopefully the medicine catches up with it because we can't be like this forever and you can't not be together. You can't not air travel in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and you can't do business like that either. So I, I, as I say, I hope that it snaps back, but there just might be, you know, the next 12 months will be, you know, baby steps and all the rest of it. Um, and then we'll just need to kind of take it from there. And having observed the industry and how it's reacted over the last few months that the pandemic's been going on, have you spotted any hospitality brands that you think have dealt really well with the crisis and some that others can maybe learn from? Yeah, there's quite a few actually. I mean, I think there are people like Yummy Pubs um i think i've done an amazing job of being pretty much first out the traps to then do the pub shop and all these things and be agile enough to then be able to you know almost start a new business and the sacrifice that tim made there was quite incredible where he self-isolated with one of the chefs mm-hmm. you know away from his family to, to to make that happen to be able to serve the nhs and the local community and the frontline workers in the first instance but then he ends up doing hundreds and hundreds of fish and chips on a Friday night and it's a huge success. So that's really exciting. Um, Brewdog are case in point. Um, you know, I think also in terms of Brewdog's reputation, um, there are a lot of people who just don't enjoy Brewdog as a, as a brand or, or, you know, as a company. Um, but I think they've turned around most people to show that, their, you know, their brilliance and their confidence and their boldness Mm-hmm. Um, is actually coming from a really good place. Um, so I think I think they've done an amazing job. You know, from anything from hand sanitizer to the independent reboot fund, kickstart fund that they did to support independent pubs. You know, five hundred independent pubs getting supported. But then they still had fun along the way, like the the, the Barnard Castle eye test beer and yeah. you know and all these things. You know, so they still managed to do it with a smile. Um, and I think brands and, and companies where their first thought was the mental well-being of their staff is such a good place to come from. You know, like we want to keep our staff busy because we don't really know what else to do. And then you had all the feed the frontline stuff through Leon, and um, you know, I think there was maybe Tortilla was part of that, and 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 many many others. But you know, John Vincent, the guys at Leon, you know, did, did an amazing job as well. I think what might come back to bite some people is the people that just did nothing. Um, So they might champion the industry and get us open again and all that stuff, but underneath it all, what did you really do? Um, So that'll be interesting. And then you'll be the people at the complete other end, which are the ones that um, maybe begin with a W that didn't handle it very well (laughs) in terms of, you know, how, how they communicated at least following their staff and all these things. So, it's going to be interesting and I think that's when you start to see, you know, brands that are truly kind through and through and through and through and doing, you know, running, doing the right thing. Um, and you can see other things that are just a business model from a spreadsheet and 
people are numbers and, and, and they don't really care about that at all. So I think some people look back and maybe regret that they didn't act in a slightly different way. And finally, is there anything new that you have learned from going through this process? I, I think it was a re sort of vitalization of how nice people are in hospitality in general um, and how well we, we all look after each other, you know, the amount of kind wishy. And I mean, I'm not even really in the sector, I suppose, you know, I'm like a side you know, say Joe Bob doing my marketing, you know, I, I don't run anything, you know. Um, but, you know, just people getting in touch, how are you, what's going on, um, anything I can do to help you, you know, sending beer packages. And so I think that gave you a, a real rejuvenated sense of how, how lovely a place it is to be, you know, um, and how supportive everyone is. So, so that's, that's been really good. I think the business lessons are you know, reinforcing things like if you operate within four walls alone, then it's not a very good business model going forward. And and I think also it's it's just the hope that the greatest brands that are around stay, you know, and, and their finances are, are in good order. And other things I've learned just selfishly is I don't need to be traveling all over the country to do my job. Yeah. Um, so it's quite nice to, you know, wake up your own bed. And things like that. Um, so I, I think there'll be a different way of doing business um, and working from home or having a Zoom meeting or doing a podcast, not in a studio, you know, might not be as uh, frowned upon or joked about as, as, it, as it once was. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that new way of doing business, definitely. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about, yeah, I think it's just been kindness. You know, you've, you've, the people you always thought were the good ones turned out to be the good ones, you know, and, and that's a nice thing. And just surrounding yourself with more people like that is a, a positive, you know. Well, I think that's a lovely sentiment to end on. Um, and you guys have raised just over £3,000 at the moment for Hospitality Action. Um, yeah. So congratulations on that and good luck. I'm sure there'll be plenty more money coming in for those guys as people ramp up to reopening. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you so much. Thanks to the indomitable Mark for agreeing to come on there and share his expertise with us all. Of course, despite all this planning everyone's doing, much of what reopening will look like at this point is still a mystery. At the time of recording this, there's been little detail as to what operators will have to do in order to reopen or how venues are going to look. What is almost certain, though, is that staff are going to look different the next time a punter walks through the door of what was once a familiar place. A story on imbibe.com recently about pub operator and brewer Green King spending 50 million quid on getting its pubs ready for opening was accompanied by the image of a licensee serving drinks in PPE. And that caused me to pause and reflect on this a bit more. Because friendly faces covered up with masks is one vision that will surely have the biggest visceral impact on people returning to the on-trade. The idea of front-of-house staff in some serious PPE kit isn't a nice one for an industry that's built on the idea of welcome. puts barriers up and makes reading faces and reactions that bit more difficult. It's also impractical, as many key workers will tell you, sweaty and uncomfortable on long shifts, and cumbersome. Above all, it's a bit disconcerting. A reminder in the very places we go to escape and have a nice time that the world's currently in a bit of a state. 
and that goes against pretty much everything anyone wants from a night out or a luxuriously long lunch. But you can't get around it. For operators, all the research suggests that the majority of people, the only way they're going to be made to feel safe enough to come out again is if health and safety measures are in place. According to a survey by the Budweiser Brewing Group, for example, 40% of people claim they are going to be more likely to visit if staff wear face masks. 66% of people more likely to visit if hand sanitizer is readily available. 36% are in favour of screens being installed at the bar. And obviously that's not TV screens either. So what we need is some creative thinking. And thankfully we're in the right industry for that. We're already seeing some inventive ideas crop up. The Inception Group, uh, the group behind bars like Cahoots and Mr Fogg's in London, for example, has been playing around with beekeeping suits, World War II gas masks uh, in place of formal, for want of a better word, PPE. And they're also trialling pool toys to keep people distant, rubber rings and things. And the Samaritz Hotel in Cornwall has got a lot of press recently for its antisocial club, a socially distant pop-up restaurant consisting of 15 private dining rooms all accessible from the outside with all food delivered via hatches. It'll be interesting to see what else emerges and what works and doesn't work as we go down the line. We have, for example, seen in the press a lot of examples of mannequins being used to maintain social distancing in other countries. I can see the logic, but I'm just not sure about this one. There's something about a mannequin that's just unsettling. So personally, I remain sceptical about that being a solution. Anyway, as we are allowed to reopen bars, pubs and restaurants in time, please let us know how you're choosing to solve these issues. And the more inventive and creative and crazy, the better. We would love to feature you and give you a shout out. So drop us a message. You can get in touch on social. We're on Imbibe UK at, on Twitter and Insta. Or find us our Facebook page and drop us a message there. Or email me direct at robin at imbibe.com. That was all for this episode. But before we conclude, we invite all of you to our Invibe Live online on the 29th and 30th of June. Indeed, although we were sadly forced to postpone our Invibe Live show to July 2021 due to COVID-19, we decided that this year we were going to be supporting the drinks industry community by going virtual. So we have launched Invibe Live online over the dates that the live event was due to be taking place on the 29th and 30th of June. There will be educational sessions, expert advice and debates featuring leading voices in the industry. So make sure you check out the event's website for more information on the show and to register for sessions. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the SIP Advisor podcast brought to you by Imbibe UK, the leading magazine and website for the UK drinks industry. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and help your colleagues and friends discover the show by sharing and writing a review. You'll find more relevant content on our website at inbar.com, where you can also sign up for a free copy of our quarterly print magazine and weekly newsletter. And please follow us on social media at UK. And if you wish to get in touch, send us some feedback, comments or ideas. You can reach us on podcast at inbar.com. <laughs>